1: Speaking of fireworks, and these are the literal variety, man, we saw a lot of fireworks last night in the city of Vancouver on Halloween. It sounded something like this. (laughs) Yeah. Listen to that. Holy smokes. That was fireworks in downtown Vancouver last night. man, Man, that sounds like Mardi Gras or New Year's Eve or something. And fire, don't forget the fireworks are banned. They're banned in the city of Vancouver. <laughs> Does that sound like they're banned? Oh, man, imagine if they weren't banned. <laughs> that would be pretty wild. So we got a great uh, discussion coming up on that later on the show, too. Get set to phone me on that. Okay, we got all that and lots more in the show today, but we start today with the crime spikes that we're seeing in some Vancouver neighborhoods. We've covered this a lot on the show. I've talked to a lot of residents and business owners in neighborhoods like the West End, Chinatown, Gastown, Granville Business District. A lot of them say, man, when they see what's going on out there, the break-ins, the vandalism, the broken windows, they say it's the worst they've ever seen it. Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart doesn't really agree with that assessment. Let's discuss that now with my guest, Vancouver City Councilor Sarah Kirby Young, and I'm very pleased to welcome her back to the show. Councilor, thanks a lot for coming on today. Good morning, Mike. Did you hear those fireworks last night? I did hear some fireworks. Yes. What, what do you? What do you? Let me just. I know we're off topic a little bit, but let me give you. Let me ask you real quickly on that. Like the fireworks are supposed to be banned in the city, but it, it sounded like Mardi Gras out there last night. Like, what do you think of that? Is that just not in are people just not following the rules, or is that a problem?
2: Yeah, it's the first year uh, the fireworks ban for sale um, to the public and use by the public of fireworks came into effect on November 1st, just after Halloween last year. So, this was the yeah. first one. I think it had an impact leading up to Halloween. We didn't see sort of that two or three weeks of sustained activity. I got, we got a lot of positive emails from people there, but we definitely saw it over Halloween weekend and especially last night. Um, I think there's more that can be done. We didn't see a lot of messaging out from either the city or the BPD, reminding people about the rules. So um, it's the first year. But, yeah, there's some work to be done. We definitely heard him last night.
1: Okay, well, we'll talk more about that later on the show. My guest, Vancouver City Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young. So, Councillor, let's talk about the uh, the crime that we're seeing out there. We've talked a lot about this on the show. And what are you hearing from your constituents in, in the city, especially in some of these neighbourhoods that we've focused on? You know, the West End, Gastown, Chinatown, uh, Granville. What do you think about what's going on out there? Do you think it's getting better or worse?
2: I think it's getting worse. I have a oh. very different point of view than the mayor. I think that the comments that he made with respect to looking at property crime or stats being down overall um, last year in 2020 um, were showed, I think, a real disregard and sort of a lack of empathy for what uh, victims of assault and what our small businesses are going through in the city. Um, When I look at the stats from the VPD, comparing and they're comparing to 2019 now, remembering that 2020 was a pandemic year, so life as we knew it shifted for everybody that year. What's really concerning is the amount of serious um, crimes that are up, hate-motivated incidents, serious assaults, things like violence, uh, shoplifting, um, and also just a lot of break-ins. So you can look at the stats overall and say, yes, they're down, but a lot of that is because, for example, staff from auto makes up 30% of all property crimes, and last year during the pandemic, we didn't have the opportunity for people to do those test and models because people weren't driving. They were staying home.
1: Okay. So right.
2: It's a little it's a little simplistic to look at an overall aggregate number and say, Well, you know, crime more property crime incidents are down. I think we need to look at what kind of crime is happening in our city and it's becoming more serious in terms of impacting people's real and perceived safety as they well, me,
1: come up well, their daily lives. well let me play a clip here for the mayor from the mayor councillor and get your thoughts on it so this is vancouver mayor kennedy stewart uh, talking to our own jazz joe hall here about the crime reports that we're seeing and here's the mayor's take let's have a listen here
3: There is a website that folks can go to called GeoDash, which gives you all the latest up to to the minute uh, crime stats and trends. And as you'll see from GeoDash, when you go there, that compared to last year, overall crime is down 21 percent and it's almost down in every category. Again, this doesn't minimize when uh, an individual has had something uh, horrendous happen to them. But overall, this is a, a very safe city, and the police statistics definitely is the best evidence we have that that's the case.
1: Okay, so when I listen to that and I hear the mayor say, "What do you? Hey, guys, it's actually getting better. There's actually less crime. Like all this, all these reports about the mayhem out there, the random assaults. You know, he's saying it's actually better. It's improving. And I just wonder how, you know, when you look at a stat like the one that the vancouver police department put out the other day that there were one thousand over fifteen hundred one thousand five hundred and fifty five stranger assaults in one year like people being assaulted randomly like people they have they don't know fifteen hundred assaults like three four a day like you know like when and then when you hear the mayor say what's well, actually getting better is there a disconnect here i mean what is that what does that say to you
2: it- You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that shows just a a fundamental disconnect from what's really happening in the city. And I'm deeply worried that Vancouver is no longer a safe city. Um, You mentioned the 4.2 assaults that we're seeing. And these are random, unprovoked assaults every day. And things that people really can't protect themselves from by being smart around, you know, walking in well-lit areas at night or things like that. There's just, you know logic or rhyme or reason to it it's really concerning I was reading just this morning that uh, portland is losing a lot of their tourism business because they're losing their reputation as a safe city due to a lot of the civil unrest and a lot of the similar issues that vancouver is starting to see mushroom here um and that's that's really concerning because not only do we lose our livability and you know the real day-to-day safety for our residents um but it's going to have an impact on our economy as well
1: okay what do you think just real briefly what do you think should be the top priority here in responding to this
2: well, I think that the mayor, it, we're, let's let's just get real for a second. We're a month out from our budget process. And I think that the mayor is laying the breadcrumbs for a budget discussion to say, look, crime is down. And so we don't need to continue resourcing the VPD at this level. Uh, and I think that's going to be spectacularly unpopular with the people in Vancouver that are living the reality every day. You mentioned the neighborhoods that we're hearing from, like it was Strathcona, it was downtown South, Yale Town, the West End. Now I'm hearing from residents in Fairview all the time that are really just not able to go about their daily lives Um just walking their kids to school, encountering people having really unprovoked incidents. And uh, I think that we've really got to stand up and wake up and try to address these issues, saying that they, okay. they don't exist. Not only diminishes how people are feeling, but it's also not daylighting issue to start tackling it and figure out how we can get back to a, a safe place for everybody to be.
1: Counselor, thank you for coming on today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right, welcome back to the show. Climate change and Canada's response to the climate change crisis looming large in the country right now, especially in Western Canada and the oil and gas industry. How will the Justin Trudeau government's energy policies here impact British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan? cop 26 underway right now in glasgow it's the annual united nations climate change summit global leaders have gathered there including prime minister justin trudeau federal environment minister stephen gilbo is also there here is uh trudeau speaking a short time ago here in scotland at the cop 26 uh, summit we'll cap oil and
3: gas sector emissions today and ensure they decrease tomorrow at a pace and scale needed to reach net zero by 2050. That's no small task for a major oil and gas producing country. It's a big step that's absolutely necessary.
1: Okay, Justin Trudeau speaking a short time ago at the UN conference in Glasgow. All right, let's discuss now. We've assembled a great uh, panel for you. Peter McCartney on the line. Peter is a climate change campaigner with the Wilderness Committee. I'm pleased to welcome him back. Peter, thank you for coming on today.
3: You bet. Thanks for having me.
1: Also on the line is Dave Jeffers. Dave is an oil and gas industry advocate. He's worked for a long time in the industry. He ran for the Maverick Party in the last federal election in Prince George. And I'm pleased to welcome him to the show. Dave, thank you for coming on today.
4: Appreciate being here. Thank you, Mike.
1: Okay, thank you, gentlemen, to both of you. Peter, let me go to you first. When you hear Trudeau commenting there about capping emissions uh, from the oil and gas sector in Canada, is this what you want to hear, and is is this achievable?
3: Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a promising development that the federal government wants to uh, put a cap on oil and gas emissions and decrease it in line with uh, getting to net zero by 2050. Um, the details of that cap are still to be ironed out, and it's going to be a heck of a uh battle to make sure the canadian association of petroleum producers doesn't get their hands all over it but uh it's promising and and uh, i'm hopeful you know this is what environmental and climate activists have been uh really working for for decades now so uh if we can do it right it'll be a good sign
1: Okay, well, I think we're a long way from reaching that net zero by 2050 with the current policies in place right now. I think the whole world is, so I guess the question is what kind of impact will it have? Let me go to Dave Jeffers. Dave, you work for a long time in this industry, right?
4: I have indeed, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you think about um, the the promise that you just heard from Justin Trudeau there to cap emissions in the oil sector, in the oil and gas sector in Canada, get to these targets in 2050, are very ambitious targets? What kind of impact could that have on the industry in Western Canada?
4: Well, it has a massive impact on on Canada, and I agree, agree with them. It's a big step, but it's a big step backwards. It's the wrong direction for Canada to go if you want to achieve um, what's uh, what's possible in a very small planet. I mean, we have to look at things globally, and we have to look at a bigger picture. Uh, and Canada is a very, very small contributor, but we can actually assist the world in becoming a better place uh, by promoting our resources, not how, by taking them away.
1: So how would you do that? How would that work?
4: Well, I think uh, we've got to look at the big contributors who are, you know, China, um, India, uh, Asia in general, Europe. Uh, we are responsible for 1.5 to one8 percent of emissions depending on which report you read but 1.8 percent is is a, is a small amount but we're the number one most responsible producer of, of uh, energy in the world and that segment is not going to go away uh, it's actually going to increase over the next 20 to 40 years in some of those countries and our void is going to be filled by those who have lower standards in environment, lower standards in safety, lower standards in human rights, um, all of those things. So we're actually going to make the world a worse place by doing what we're doing.
1: Peter Peter McCartney, what do you say to that?
4: I I just want to read you something from the UN Secretary General
3: this morning. Quote, our addiction to fossil fuels is pushing humanity to the brink. We face a stark choice. Either we stop it or it stops us. It's time to say enough. Uh, you're right, Canada is only 1.5% of emissions, but we're also the fourth largest producer of the fossil fuels, the oil and gas, that is killing people all over the planet because of the warming of our world. And the sooner we stop using these fossil fuels, the sooner we stop digging them up out of the ground, um, the, the better off the entire planet is going to be. That's extremely clear. And so, you know, the idea that we should keep on producing this stuff just because other countries are also continuing to do it um, is not a responsible thing to do. And it's not a responsible thing to do for the workers in that sector who uh, would continue to um, be sort of linked to this industry and then have the rug pulled out of them all at once because the world is going to uh, combat climate change. It's a matter of how fast.
1: Dave Jeffers, your thoughts.
4: Um, using terminology like that is irresponsible. I mean, killing people, we're not killing people. In fact, we're saving lives in this industry. Um, the needles that were just used in order to, uh, combat COVID, for example. I mean, those are, those plastics, the, uh, the, the look around your, your hospitals, look around everywhere that you've got, there is nothing that isn't touched by hydrocarbon. Hydrocarbon production is incredibly important. Can we do better? Absolutely. We can do better. And we should, and we should maintain the ability to be number one in the world in terms of responsible production. But using that kind of ter- terminology is just flat out irresponsible.
1: Peter, what do you want to respond to that? 815 British
3: Columbians died in a heat wave this summer with record temperatures. We were blowing temperature records down by, you know, six, seven, eight degrees. Um, so yeah, this is a direct consequence of the carbon pollution that we are putting in the atmosphere from the burning of fossil fuels. And it's scientifically accurate to say that fossil fuels are killing people. Uh, and, you know, this is not a radical statement anymore. This is coming from the UN secretary general. Now we must right. sound a death knell for fossil fuels before they destroy
4: our planet.
1: Speaking about, uh, tar- I
4: agree, Peter, I, I do agree with that, Peter. Um, and by reducing Canada's contribution to the world, we're going to increase China and all of that irresponsible production. So we're going, we're taking a step the wrong way.
3: Let me I, uh, go ahead, Peter. I have to say, like, by what measure is Canada the most responsible? We have some of the most emissions-intensive oil in the world. Um, so you know, when we throw out talking points from the oil and gas sector, it just it, you know, it really doesn't actually reflect what uh, the world is talking about. And other oil producers are also working to reduce emissions. Nigeria has a better climate plan than Canada. Um, so we know, just parroting the the talking point that we have the most responsible oil in the world. I don't know what that means.
1: Dave, Dave do you want to respond to that? Sure.
4: Um, We are we are number one in the world. We also live in one of the harshest climates in the world. So for me, for an example, in Fort St. John in northern British Columbia, we're utilizing heat in our homes and our businesses and everything else to stay warm uh, eight months of the year. So it's a very harsh environment. So the standards are not the same. Nigeria does not contribute to the same standards we do because they don't need to heat their homes in the same capacity that we do. Now, one of the things that I, I think we struggle with in oil and gas is tooting our own horn. And it never gets portrayed in the public um, as for what we're doing. And today, today, on, on right now, I'm in a lab coat in the lab. Um, we're working on a reduction of use of fresh water. For a very, very innovative oil and gas company, uh, Tourmaline, and Arc Resources, and just to name a, a couple of them or whatever, they, these guys are on the cutting edge of technology when it comes to helping out the environment. They, we all struggle and strive every day to make improvements in our sector.
1: Okay, guys, let me ask you your thoughts on uh, Canada's new Minister of the Environment. And I thought this was a fascinating appointment by Justin Trudeau, Stephen Gilbo. Uh, the new environment minister has a background in the environmental movement. He's been called by his critics as, as a radical, that he was a member of Greenpeace. He even climbed up, he climbed up the CN Tower one time as part of a Greenpeace uh, stunt. And I'm going to go back here. We'll go back 20 years here. This is Stephen Gilbo, the new environment minister, explaining why he was climbing the CN Tower uh, back uh, in 2001. Have a listen.
3: Greenpeace has climbed the world's tallest building today to tell the world not to be fooled by the Liberal government. As the talk on climate change starts, we want to tell the world that the Bush and Canadian administration are out to kill the Kyoto Protocol.
1: Okay, so Peter McCartney, what do you think of Stephen Gilboa as the environment minister and the criticism he's getting from, you know, people like, uh, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, Aaron O'Toole, the Conservative leader. This guy's a radical. He's going to drive Canadians apart. What do you think of him? I mean, I think he's
3: a great choice for environment minister. I know that uh, it doesn't mean that people in the movement will let up on him. Uh, obviously, if, you, uh, if you're if you the environment minister of a government, your views are not radical. And I think what's happened here is that what would have been considered radical 20 years ago is now conventional wisdom um, that we have to do. And, and make some real transformative change in our society to combat the climate crisis. So okay. um,
1: I think it's a good choice. Okay, Dave, your thoughts, and then we'll take a break and some phone calls here. Your thoughts on the new environment minister, Stephen Gilbeau?
4: I think it's a it, it's a very radical choice, and it's an eco-zealot, eco-warrior, eco-terrorist, whatever you want to call it. This is not normal behavior, climbing over 1,000 feet on the CN Tower um, to to protest Canada's involvement um yeah it's a very very bad choice
3: we will be committed to working with albertans to working with people in the energy sector across the country as we build the kind of future everyone wants for their kids and grandkids.
1: Okay, it's uh, Justin Trudeau there after his recent appointment of his new cabinet, including Stephen Gilbo, a former Greenpeace advocate and activist. He's now the Minister of the Environment. Uh, some hailing this appointment, others uh, worried about it. What a great panel we've got for you, Dave Jeffers and Peter McCartney. Let's go to your phone calls here now. Brent in uh, Delta. Hi, Brent.
5: Uh, good morning, Mike.
1: I had
3: a question around EVs and uh, we all see the you know them plugged in at, at charging stations. That's wonderful, but I don't think we have a, a complete handle on the cost of producing that energy. Uh, I believe a lot of the battery um, uh, preparation is done th- uh, with coal resources, and as well as we never really know what the cost of the uh, disposal of those batteries is. And I think there's a much higher uh, environmental impact with EVs than we're actually told about. Thank okay, you. Okay,
1: P- Pete. Thanks for the call, Peter McCartney. What are your thoughts on that? Electric vehicles are they as green as they're made out to be?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that electric vehicles have a lot less carbon emissions associated with them than like a a gas vehicle. But yeah, there are environmental impacts. And it's one of the reasons that we need to, the answer is not to just give everyone an EV. Uh, We really need to be focusing on public transit, uh, cycling, walking, making complete communities where it makes sense to do that. Um, And and to try and reduce the amount of vehicles on the road, not
4: just uh, the amount of gas powered vehicles.
1: Dave Jeffers, do you have any thoughts on that?
4: Well, I think uh, the cost to produce an EV versus uh, versus a, a traditional method of of transportation, gas or diesel or whatever, um, probably very. Uh, very similar. I would like to see some adjustments made to the, the personal vehicle market. Uh, I don't think EVs are, are the answer just in terms of uh, what it's going to cost for infrastructure to upgrade uh, the electrical grid and, and the requirements for mining for copper and those kind of things. But I would like to see some advancements made um, specifically I think hydrogen is probably going to be our next go-to that will be viable and, and uh, compete in that space.
1: Okay, back to the phone lines. Jamie in South Surrey. Hi, Jamie. Go ahead.
3: Oh, hi. Yeah. Um, okay, so I hear about you know cars. Um, we're trying to change cars from gas to electric. What about like airplanes? Like how much how much problems do they create in our, in our atmosphere? I mean, I'm not a, a scientist, but I would imagine that all that fuel that's kind of being
1: spewed up into the atmosphere that must hit the ozone layer much faster than a car would Peter what would you say about that
3: yeah I mean airplanes there's no doubt are a massive contributor to global warming um, and one of the hardest to electrify unfortunately because uh, you know you can't put a real heavy battery in an airplane and fly it across the Pacific um, but you know harbor air here in uh, along the Salish Sea, from Vancouver to Victoria, they're electrifying their flights. And that's actually one of the few uses I think hydrogen is really good for, because it's a, it's a very energy-dense fuel. Um, so uh, we're hopefully making strides, but it's, it's one of the tougher ones, for sure.
1: Dan, so, on, Van- Dan on Vancouver Island. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, uh, thanks, Mike. And please let me make my two points.
3: First
5: of all, everyone's an environmentalist. I haven't met anyone who isn't. But your Wilderness Committee guy is really out to lunch. Do you know that norway just announced in october 2021 they're going to invest in their oil and gas sector not dismantle it number one and number two why don't we just shut canada down so then you'll be happy we can then go along but you know what no matter what we do 40 percent of the world's emitters are not going to shut down they're going to keep going india china brazil russia just announced it so
1: okay peter mccartney okay thanks for the call peter
5: so every
3: country on the planet, save for Syria, has signed on to the Paris Agreement on Climate Change in 2015. They've um, agreed that we're going to try as hard as we can to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. Um, and, and so they're all at the table. That's, that's what they're doing uh, this week in, uh, in Glasgow. And, uh, you know, we, we have to try as hard as we can and shoot for as low warming as we can, because the sooner we stop burning fossil fuels, the better. Okay. Uh, and we're into this
1: Dave Jeffers we got 30 seconds left here if you'd like to wrap up with a closing comment there go ahead:
4: yeah I think uh, there's a couple of good points made by the callers but uh, air travel I mean this is where the liberal uh, philosophy becomes a bit of a joke uh, t- taking airplanes back and forth across the country uh, multiple times um, contributing that kind of that kind of a, uh, eco path or a disaster that they're doing uh, by air travel is one part of it. But uh, if we really want to make an impact in the world, we need to get behind Canadian resources and change the major contributors like India.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bpcom investing in America.
1: We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam! Pictures can miss tonight! Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on, I'm on fire. New customers spent $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win! Make every moment more with FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first
5: deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest. that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. China.
1: That's been Vancouver last night. Have a listen to that. Wow. Wow. As Vancouver last night with all the fireworks going off, fireworks are banned in Vancouver. This is the first year that fireworks have been banned in the city at Halloween. Man, oh man, you wouldn't have known it there last night. It sounded uh, pretty wild. If you take a look at some of the videos that posted online across social media, you know, there was tons of fireworks going off in Vancouver. Not just Vancouver, but it seems like every municipality in metro vancouver there was lots of fireworks happening and fireworks are banned in a lot of these cities if you go down the list right now fireworks are banned in vancouver richmond delta surrey langley coquitlam port coquitlam Pitt meadows maple ridge abbotsford they've all banned fireworks due to danger injuries property damage costs (laughs) <laughs> man you you wouldn't have known it last night imagine if there was no ban wow that was pretty wild okay let's discuss it now with my guest alim kanji alim is with the canadian national fireworks association he's the director of government relations there alim thanks a lot for coming on today hey great to be on your show Aleem, is this um, is this something that we're seeing more and more municipalities do across Canada that they're banning fireworks, or does it seem to be more a BC thing, or is that happening everywhere? You know what
5: we're seeing, and maybe I can take a step back and just let your listeners sure. know who the Canadian National Fireworks Association is. Sure, um, we we work with municipalities uh, right from uh, west uh, to east across this country. Uh, representing over 3,000 members that manufacture, that distribute, uh, and uh, that that uh, uh, sell at a retail level uh, fireworks. And we also work very, very closely with regulators across the country, and we have had some great successes in working with communities across the country uh, to, to promote the safe sale and use of fireworks uh, in communities. So let's keep in mind one thing, Mike. Fireworks are a legal product, uh, legal and regulated by our federal and provincial government, some 3,000 products in total. And while you listed, um, you know, a set of cities where uh, there are bans, yeah. let's keep in mind, at the end of the day, people have choices. They can buy these online. They can buy them from neighbouring communities where they are allowed. Um, and when you talk about uh, bans, I think Councillor Melissa de Genova stated at best in a tweet last night that she put out, and that is very simple. Why approve a bylaw but not have enforcement? You know, she she talked about the, the fact that her pumpkin has more teeth than her own municipal bylaw, and I think she <laughs> hit it right on the head. She yeah. hit it right on the head. This is a, a bylaw that uh, that is not enforceable. We heard earlier on your program, Mike, the sergeant of the Vancouver Police Force that said, we have no time and resources to patrol in quotes those are his words not mine so we need to look at how we can work better with communities to ensure that the rules are, are understood that the laws are respected um and 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 look at progressive solutions um to to work together with communities
1: Okay, but do you think that fireworks should be banned or do you think that there is space for people to use them responsibly and have fun without people getting injured or disturbing entire neighborhoods? Like, is there a way for fireworks to be used safely for people to have fun with them?
5: Absolutely. And and this happens in communities across this country, across this continent and quite frankly, across the world. Um, it is a safe product. Um, I, I want to come back to, to to the city of Vancouver's bylaw, and, sure. and and this is an important point because when this was put forward, there was no public consultation, and by the way, that includes no consultation with any First Nation community uh, in the city, and uh, that is something that of course Vancouver uh, has made attempts to include and be inclusive of. Uh, and, and the entire city's rights have been taken away to um, to use uh, fireworks. There was no public consultation in this entire process, led by Councilor Pete Fry's motion to ban fireworks in the city. And our our thinking here is that we are calling for, as we've done in other cities, let's reopen this issue. Okay, let's look at a way uh, to engage. Let's look at a way to have uh, what we're calling a fireworks summit to discuss some very viable solutions because at the end of the day, as as Councillor DiGenova mentioned, a bylaw without enforcement is, is, is not uh, useful. It's not in the city's best interest and quite frankly, people are still going to continue to buy them. Whether that's from Amazon, whether that's from another website, whether that's from a neighbouring community, they're still going to be used. Um, and we have a very progressive vendor certification and employee training program uh, that, that helps communities. We work with fire departments, we work with communities to ensure that people understand the right ways to use what is a safe and a legal product.
1: Okay, well, speaking of fire departments, let me play a clip here for you, Aleema, and get your thoughts. So this is Jonathan Gormick. He's a former captain with Vancouver Fire and Rescue Services, and he's explaining here why the Vancouver Fire Department uh, endorsed and supported a fireworks ban in the city. He thinks it's important. Have a listen, then I'll get your thoughts.
5: We've had the permitting process in place since about 2007 and we certainly have seen a drop in the number of injuries and the amount of uh, fire damage caused by fireworks over the Halloween week, but it's not significant enough and we can't continue to literally permit uh, a product that we know is going to lead to uh, significant property damage and a significant number of injuries every year
3: moving to a complete
5: ban will obviously save a lot of money for the city on the front end because we won't have to implement the permitting system but it'll actually aid enforcement because there won't be legal fireworks anyone who's in possession or using them at any time will be doing so unlawfully
1: okay, okay well you know there i saw, I saw go ahead go ahead and
5: uh,
1: he's absolutely right people will use them unlawfully yeah uh,
5: and 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 therein lies the point this is not enforceable. It, it, you, cannot, you, you, you cannot enforce this. And, and, and this is why the industry uh, uh, is, is accepting responsibility. We would like to work together with the local bylaw enforcement folks, the local fire department, um, and, and other uh, uh, interested parties to make sure that this is a, a process and a program that um, is administered fairly, uh, that, that right at the point of sale, uh, as we have in our vendor certification and employee training program, the rules are made very clear right on the point of sale. Um, you, you, can't, you can't utilize enforcement because as was just shared in your clip, the problem is not going to go away. And banning the product will not uh, uh, create viable solutions to this, uh, to this issue.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. What did you think of that first Halloween in Vancouver with a fireworks ban? Didn't seem to be much of a ban uh, in effect last night. Lots of fireworks going off. My guest is Aleem Kanji, Canadian National Fireworks Association. He, he uh, supports responsible enjoyment of fireworks. Lots of calls. Pete in Vancouver. Hey, Pete. Hey, it was worse this
5: year and last year. And the larger question is that this is a pretending we care law. The same thing as you saw in that video of Rogers Arena where you had hundreds of country fans supposed to wear masks to follow the indoor mandate mask, and they didn't. So what has to happen is the government has to demand that the police enforce these laws because beyond fireworks, they're reducing trust in government, right? I'm not saying that every single police officer should go and spend 100% of their time going after people doing fireworks. But if they're not uh, arresting people, they might as well ban- give up the law. Right? Okay. Take it seriously or go home. Yeah.
1: Th- thanks for the call. Well, I spoke to Sergeant, Pete Addison, or, uh, S- Sergeant Steve Addison from... Uh, the vpd on this very point this morning and he said look they had a crazy weekend in vancouver on the weekend they had a murder in vancouver uh they had a fatal hit and run they had a whole bunch of sexual assaults downtown with people downtown in the entertainment district i mean they were busy okay and i asked the guy what about the fireworks And he said look we can't be chasing kids around with bottle rockets like are you kidding me like we've got murders going on we got sexual assaults going on aleem your thoughts and, and listen, the, the
5: sergeant's absolutely right, and I heard him uh, say that earlier on your show. Lots of disorder, lots of drunkenness, uh, and lots of shenanigans this weekend in Vancouver. And I'll tell you something he didn't say either. Is he seeking to ban Molson's or Smirnoff or uh, Bacardi because of what happened this weekend, I think that would be ludicrous, and I think anyone listening to your show would say that
1: is absolutely ludicrous to even suggest. Well, what so what you're comparing fireworks to, booze? So you're saying there's a responsible way to use both? Uh, of course, there is, and and right. you know let's let's look at the number one
5: source of of uh, fires and related injuries in homes. Those are candles. Should we ban candles? Again, <laughs> another zany idea that I'm sure your listeners would say uh, is is not enforceable. And listen to Pete's comment earlier. The gentleman that called in. He's absolutely right. Uh, and these things are meaningless unless they are enforced. And and wow. we at the Canadian National Fireworks Association, we understand that municipal bylaw uh, offenders, uh, they're, they're long gone after, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the fireworks have, have illegally been used. The bylaw okay. folks get there after. And, um, and we see this in cities across the country. Enforcement is reactionary. It is expensive, and it is ineffective. Let's in, go to Steve. Cases.
1: Back to the phone line. Steve in Coquitlam. Go ahead, Steve. Oh, hi, Mike. Yeah,
3: I do not support the band. Um, providing safety is, you know, uh, taken care of. I mean, I saw a display yesterday over at Hume Park here in Port Coquitlam, where these guys had fire extinguishers, water buckets, big buckets of sand. I mean, these guys were even wearing safety vests, and, like, they took every safety precaution. What a night. It was really, really cool. However, kids... You know, that's a big point. Kids with bottle rockets, there, there will be a problem there. But providing safety, like I said, safety, you know, is number one. You know, it should be fine.
1: Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, I saw yeah. some guys having bottle rocket wars on the street and some of the videos posted on social media last night. Sandra in North Van. Hi, Sandra.
2: Hi. Last Hi. night it went on here from about 3 o'clock until 1 in the morning nonstop. And I love fireworks. They've been around in our Halloween culture for decades. The problem that we're having now is that it is a lot of young people going out and doing it in an unsafe manner and just going everywhere. I just think it needs to be regulated so that it's in designated areas, just as the last gentleman said, where it's done safely, people who are trained, et cetera, and not just and and bylaw officers. I don't know why they can't regulate it. Why do the police have to?
1: Sandra, thank you for the call. I'm sure Alim, you would agree with that. Let's squeeze in some more calls here while we can. Richard in Chilliwack, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, it was
3: like
2: Kabul last night, and probably every night for the last two weeks. I mean, the, the God, if you're going to sell, maybe sell them just a few days before, maybe have like maybe people should have permits or some kind of license to get it. You just
1: can't sell to any Yahoo off the street. I mean, I thought they were is, be legal. Like, are, are the they illegal? Are, illegal. Uh, are they illegal in Chilliwack? They're banned. You're not allowed to sell the, to uh, blow them off. You're supposed to have permits. The natives can sell them up the yin yang, though, so that doesn't matter. So they're readily available. But I mean, there's got to be something has to be done. Richard, thank you for the call. Steve in Vancouver. Hi, Steve. What do you think?
3: Hey, fireworks are the scourge of this season. You know, my dog, when they go off, when he was alive, he would crawl to the very back of the furthest closet he could find. So that's one point. That's one point I want to make. The other thing is. It, it, they, they have to be permitted. It's like seatbelt laws. It took forever to get those to work. It's the same with fireworks. You've got to start conditioning people to buying permits uh, to have have oh. events. And they have to have fire extinguishers. And like the, the previous caller said, uh, sand and things and, and be protected. And as long as that doesn't happen. And oh, oh, by the way, I guess the police don't have enough time. I I don't get it. The mayor says that the crime rate is down 21%. <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah, they had time to go out and arrest these guys for doing fireworks.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, like the mayor said. It's getting better, by the way, the crime rate, according to the mayor. Let's squeeze in one more. Doug and Surrey. Doug, you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Mike, it's like everything else. We're a half a mile from the nerve center over here where
5: Doug McCallum is trying to put his uh, private police force in place. The RCMP can't cover it, but around here the other night, over in Holland Park, somewhere west of me, over by Delta, it sounded like a bloody military maneuver. you think they were shooting the guns of Navarone.
1: Okay, Doug, thank you for the call. Uh, Aleem. you got 30 seconds here. What, what's the last thing you want to say here? Go
5: ahead. There is, there is also, I want to cover this off, because there's obviously a lot of passionate callers that, that have called in. There's also a cultural significance in using fireworks, and we know this because of the, the strong... South Asian and Chinese populations around Diwali and Chinese New Year. We haven't even begun to talk about that. I yeah. would like to leave on on this point, and that is is is, is really simple. Um, you know, make, make it anyway. quick. You got ten seconds. Go ahead. This is a call out to the mayor, to the councilors, to Chief Fry, and all of Vancouver City Council to have a fireworks summit. Let's discuss viable solutions. Thanks, Aline. We welcome the opportunity to reopen discussions. And thank you, thank you.
1: thank you, Aleem. Thank you, Link. Gotta end it there, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Alim Kanji, Canadian National Fireworks Association, thanks for all your calls today.